0: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Big Lee's World's podcast. It is I, your host Big Lee, coming from you live for the infamous and notorious Big Lee's Boom Boom Room right here in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. And today with me, I have via Skype a good personal friend of mine, Mr. Timothy McFarlane from Death by Metal, MMB formerly known as Death by Metal STL. Today, we're going to talk about the history of St. Louis Metal, some of the adventures we've been in, and everything in between. Tim, how are you doing today, sir? Just fine. How are you doing, Lee? Oh, I can't complain. I had to get that nice little intro out. So, so you are from uh, the St. Louis area, born and raised, correct?
1: Yes, sir. Yep, from St. Louis, Missouri.
0: Awesome, awesome. So, now... The first when was the first time we met? Do you remember?
1: I think it was at a butcher baby show, and I okay. think it was at Pops. Um, I uh, we started talking. Um, you had your uh, tickets. We were inside waiting, and uh, um, I think that's the first place we met. Um, but we started meeting more often at different shows and uh we just uh took it from there you know so
0: yeah it seems like that was a time when uh st louis was getting uh a lot more rock and metal shows it seems like the trend that we'll get into here later in this is uh the kind of the trend of st louis with rock and metal shows and things of that nature but um and how you know your company has been influential in trying to get that Saint Louis back to that scene that it used to be, you know, 4 or 5 even up 10, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, so yeah, I, we uh we met it, you know, like I said the Butcher Babies. I remember uh, there was not many people there. No surprise, right? No,
1: it was on the side stage. I think it was one of the very first shows there. Um and uh it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of cool to see a band that's progressed like that. But at the same degree, it was uh, there was nobody there. I mean, I was it like forty people or something. So,
0: yeah, if I remember right, I think it was Butcher Babies and a Polar Burning body.
1: Yeah, that's the first time I ever seen them too.
0: Yeah, because it's a uh, and see that's what's amazing to me is I love pops, I really do, and I love seeing shows on the side stage, and uh, I don't I don't think that bands take advantage of it enough to get booked there. I think they'd rather go to some other places that they may, I I don't know, I guess it's the concept of if you play a smaller room and it's more packed, it feels like it's a big sold-out show versus a legacy place like Pops to where (coughs) you may be on the side stage at Pops, but you're not, you know, you're not got that, I sold out a 200-cap room, it's I play at the legendary Pops, so I feel like it's kind of a, a kind of a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Kind of like a give and take almost.
1: Yeah, it's I, it's kind of weird. I mean, you make a great point because so many bands come to St. Louis, but um, so many bands bypass St. Louis. But the bands that, that do come to St. Louis, they don't get the opportunity to play at Pops because I do love Pops. I mean, Pops is the most, I've never had an issue at Pops. No matter mm-hmm. how many times I've been there, no how how many times, uh, every years or whatever, I've never had an issue at Pops. To me, I feel safe at Pops. I feel okay. I go in, watch a show, come out, um, bada boom, bada bing. It's, it's great sound. It's, it's great everything, you know?
0: So, yeah, it's one of those things. It's just like, Pops has such a reputation for being on the east side, but yeah. I don't think people realize, like, Pops has its own, like, security team things of that nature there no other venue in st louis really has that and you know, you know you're one of the people think... that can attest to bad things <laughs> that happens at venues absolutely
1: <laughs> i i think that's that's something that um pops I, did they have security when my incident happened did, did they have security then or no at pops yeah did they yeah, always
0: have yeah pops has always had their own security force there
1: it, it was kind of weird because it was like, I'm a big advocate, and, and I kind of spoke my mind about having security because it's just not me. And we always talk about this, like one day it's going to happen again, and it's going to mm-hmm. happen worse than what had happened with me. And they don't get it because, you know, the police hang out at Pops. I mean, I've seen cops there many times, and no other venue does it other than the pageant and Del Mar. Right. Um, the pageant Del Mart, and of course you go to Chafitz. There's 2,000 cops there. Um, if you go to even the um, oh, what's that? The theater downtown.
0: What is it? Uh, is it the Stifle now? Yeah, Stifle, Stifle, Stifle something like Stifle, the OP Peabody. You
1: go to, hey, yeah, you go to Stifle, and it's there's security there. There's there's cops like hanging out. You know. So, the only place that you don't see cops is Foo Bar Firebird and Ready Room. Like you just don't see them. Now, Ready Room has cops walking in and are out there sometimes. And things yeah, I almost like that. got
0: a ticket at the Ready Room.
1: Uh, that that place <laughs> is, is a cool venue, but it has the worst parking that I've ever seen at any other venue. And just because it's like you have to either get there, fuck, you got to get there early. Like, I mean, you got to get there like two to three hours early to get a really good parking spot. If you don't, you're parking six blocks down the street in some subdivision.
0: And hopefully it's not a, a permit-only side of the street, which what I learned oh. the hard way. <laughs>
1: hopefully you're not going to get robbed, you know? It's, well, that's, it's, that's
0: a fair statement as well.
1: You know, it's, it's hopefully that shit doesn't happen. So um, I think my personal opinion, Lee, I think that and we've talked about it for years. It's something that, you know, whatever, you know, without your help, the magazine would have never been created I think you know I think I think it would have eventually been done but just at a later date um but we had that thing in mind to kind of you know uh, Mm -hmm. I think you had all I it led to bigger and better things with you but I think when we first started this thing I, I think that it just uh you know it was for the metal community in St. Louis but we found out very quickly um with the metal local bands and things like that in st louis it wasn't what it was cracked up to be um,
0: exactly and l- 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 let's get in the beginning of this let's talk about this for those of you who uh are not quite uh familiar with what we're talking about uh tim started a uh project we'll start out calling it that uh a, like a metal promotion company called at the time it was death by metal stl right. and uh It started out as a thing to kind of help build up the St. Louis rock and metal scene. Because something that we talked about at the beginning of this here is that there was a time in St. Louis music history, I guess you could call it, to where St. Louis was like a hotbed for these bands to come in and play. And they'd have sold out shows. They were filling the venues, things of that nature. However, St. Louis, you know, kind of took a decline a little bit. Well, probably more than a little bit on what was coming in, how shows were selling and what bands would actually be willing to come in here. And, uh, you know, Tim had told me something, you know, kind of went over some details with this. And I was kind of I was very interested in this because I like to solve problems. And I like the fact of heavy music. Anybody that's listening to these episodes or know me outside of this knows I'm a big fan of heavy music. And I was like, this is a great opportunity to be a part of. And then uh, when Tim presented me the opportunity to kind of get in on the ground floor of this and get going, that um, I I was excited to do it. And like he said, you know, we kind of learned that everything was not as easy as we thought it would be getting our uh, feet wet in this. Because uh, probably the first thing that we could talk about is that, you know, I don't I don't know necessarily if you want to say that the venues did not want to admit there was a problem or the fact that venues did not want to mess with us. I
1: think I think it's a combination of both a little bit. I mm-hmm. think it's something that, you know, did I did they not want to mess with us? I think so, to a certain degree, you know. Um, because we were so adamant of trying to get in, it wasn't like we were trying to get in for free. We were trying to cover the shows, exactly. Um, and and they didn't want, they didn't want anything to do with us, you know. Plus, at the same degree, we were very, how can I say this? We were very adamant to you know cover the show we wanted to do a, a good thing and we basically went through the record companies which that as you know it took a long time. Mm-hmm. It took a long long time to do that Lee. It was like so, how many times did we get denied? You know, just for the simplest band and then we just started going over their heads and just contacting the bands personally. You know, we've made a lot of co- great fa- friends over the years with with the bands. Exactly. Um, because i never understood it, and I and I still don't understand this. Why a band or anybody, I don't give a shit if you're local or whatever, would deny a chance or opportunity to get any press, regardless of what it is and where it came from, why would you deny that? And I still nowadays, I, I'll reach out to a band and like, they just put a new album out and whatever, and we're like, oh, hey, let's do an uh, interview, or can we do photos or whatever, and we get denied.
0: But, and it, it's crazy to me is because, like, kind of talking about that, we'd still go to these shows and there'd be no one there covering it. No, and it's like you said, you don't want publicity for this. It's like you don't. Do you not want to grow? I don't it's,
1: understand that.
0: <laughs> yeah, know. and and it's just, it's just amazing to me because you like like you said, it's like if you don't want this to grow, then you're in the wrong business here.
1: I think music has changed so much and and the way you run business has changed and the way that you conduct yourself has changed Um, in the last five years. And I think that we have seen all that happen. Mm -hmm. um, Communication is, is the number one key to success. If you don't have communication you're not going to really get anywhere. I don't give a shit if it's in your family or if it's in your business or if it's in your relationship. If you're not going to communicate with anybody, you're not going to have success. And for some reason, some of this, some of these bands and some of the stuff that they do, they don't communicate. If if I was if I was approached with you know, and that that helped the magazine, it helped you know, it helped the business that you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's being successful. If you contact a wrestler. And and they don't contact you back and then they don't, you know, they wonder why they're not and they're not that big and they wonder why they're not going anywhere. Well, this is why, you know, this is why you're not going anywhere. If you're in a relationship and your relationship failing and you keep on making that contact, it's not going to work. It's to me. That's that's the key to success and to what we've always talked about to where we where we headed, you know, with the business, because Mm -hmm. it was something that we did leave. We tried many, many years and it was a struggle. But that 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 infamous day that it happened to me, that's when it all changed. That's when everything and I still say this to the day, that's when it's kinda like and I don't know if you agree with this, and, and maybe kind of a narcissistic um, move on my part by saying this, but I think that's when the city kind of took a dump a little bit with the music community because everybody saw or seen this person go through this tragic thing and the city turn on like mm-hmm. these venues turn the crap out of them. Turn on, them. you don't think that these music companies don't see? Do you don't think these record companies don't see and the, and the bands don't see? I mean, seriously. So, anyway go on with your story, but I mean, I I got off the beaten path, but you know, that's, I think that's what happened. And I think that's still what's happening because you see it nowadays. It's just, is it not a wreck? Is it really just not a wreck here in St. Louis, Missouri? Is it not a wreck other than these, the, the amphitheater, Delmar Hall and these other big venues that have it shows a little bit. Is it not a wreck?
0: Yeah, I agree. It is. And you know, we look at tours constantly, That's past St. Louis, whether they're like, it's not going to draw or they don't feel safe coming here. Now, I do think that one of the things that when we started this back in the day, and I still feel this way to today, that one of the big problems with St. Louis is I don't feel like enough of the local scene. Supports the local scene. If that makes sense. Yeah. You you see very little. You see very little support from. St. Louis bands. Not just to other St. Louis bands. But. Promoting. To me it's like a simple concept. Yes you have a band. And your band gets booked on a show. You need to push that show. To help drive ticket sales. Whether you're a pay to play or. You're just trying to get more people in the door to get fi- find out about you, move some merch, stuff like that. Well, to me also it's a concept of it's like if you're in a band and you're and you know another band that is playing in town or is a local band has a show, it's a similar style, you share a similar fan base, and you're not on that show, you should be out there helping promote that show, helping, you know, kind of a swap. Or uh, what's the word, bartering of sorts. You know, you promote this show and then I'll promote this show for you. And I don't really feel like St. Louis does that versus like if you go to another city like Chicago or Nashville to where you see a lot of that going on. And I think that's one of the things like if St. Louis would actually start getting more support behind it. And I think that would really help it because I believe here's the thing. I believe people in St. Louis area, they they have the ability to support things. I mean, look at your hockey team, for example. You know, halfway through the season, this past, last season, y'all were like scraping dirt last. And then y'all ended up winning the Stanley Cup. And you see that city pull together. So oh, yeah. if they can do that for hockey, you can't tell me that they can't do something like that for their music scene especially like because if if you look like you can see there's a str- like for take the hockey for example to me there's a very linear linear strategy there sorts of like the people that you see promoting the hockey team you see them in bands and things like that and they're not they'll push the hockey but they're not really pushing the bands which is crazy to me because if you look at other scenes or other, yeah, I guess other scenes, I was going to say other flavors of music there. Like you look at like, St. Louis hip hop, for example, you know, you see these hip hop artists in St. Louis, they're out promoting, they're out pushing, you know, other rappers, things of that nature. And this is something like I've talked to you about before, you know, when we're starting this and even going forward is, you know, maybe the St. Louis metal scene needs to look at the hip hop scene and see how they're supporting each other and pushing it and they need to take notes from it as well and start doing that as well to help grow their scene and help get some of these more shows that will come in and uh, that bands that people aren't getting to see.
1: I, I agree. I've always said that hip-hop and, and uh, you know, even country, mm-hmm. um, they support themselves, support other bands and genre or in their own kind, I mean, uh, to 100% way more than what metal does. I think, the, I think a lot of the problem is that a, and I've said this before, there's way too many metal elitists. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the venues have let these people run amok and they didn't stop them. And I think some of the venues are ran by metal elitists and they don't give a shit. They give a shit what? about what they want to give a shit, but they don't give any, you know, they don't care about what, what happens in the scene itself, you know? We have some of the most phenomenal local bands. Mm-hmm. And I hate saying this, but they're doomed. If you don't get out of St. Louis, if you don't get um, if you don't get some kind of national play or get something, you're you're doomed. And it's and the bands we talked about there's three bands that were signed, and I think we talked about this a while back, later. There's three bands that got signed in St. Louis. And they were very popular, but they were all metal elitist bands. These
0: mm-hmm. guys were
1: very stuck up. They're very they're ignorant. They don't give a shit about you or I or anyone else. They don't give a care about the the scene itself. But they all got record labels. And what did they do with the record labels? They squandered them. Each one of the bands did not do anything with those record labels. They squandered them. They they're they're not a big deal. They didn't really go anywhere. We could have me and you could have picked probably four local bands that would have thrived in that situation mm-hmm. and, and it just never happened. And I feel bad for them. I feel bad for this. I feel bad for all of that. And I think that, you know, the metal community itself in St. Louis, Missouri is unlike any other that, that I've dealt with personally, I could go and get, here's the thing that really kills me. I ended up getting, we ended up getting pressed for ghost, which took Tobias the lead singer of ghosts, he's the one that basically approves the press. He's the one that handles itself himself. I mean, he's helps with the, with the companies. I got that, but I can't get pressed on the street. Mm-hmm. That doesn't, that's so, that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like I have to fight, and this is just only at one or two venues. I have to fight bloody murder to get photos. We, I told the, I told the owner of, of one of the venues I said I just want to take photos there we'll be there for three songs and we'll leave like you can literally escort us off I'll just I just want to do photos there mm-hmm. you know what he says to me he's like well I'm, I'm gonna have to approve it with the guy who, who who booked the show it's your fucking venue you dip wad right <laughs> you know it's your that's the thing that, that that kills me it's your say for instance your wrestling event, and say it's what's well, your venue, and there's a wrestling event. And say I come to you and be like, hey Lee, can I take pictures for you? I'll give you the photos. Maybe I can start taking pictures for you on a regular. If you just let me into the venue, I'll leave after the three first three matches. Is that okay with you? And then you say, well, I'm gonna talk to the promoter, and I'm like, what? It's exactly. your fucking building. You know, it doesn't make any sense. So, I mean, that's what's wrong with the community. That's what's wrong with stuff. And, and I, I'm not saying that this is the only state that's ran like this, but there's a lot of states run like that. But Lee, what's it going to come to the point where we're not having anybody show up? I mean, there's bands that we've won, uh, that's on our bucket list that's never been here, and I don't know even they're going to be here. Mm-hmm. And if there's if they are going to be here they're going to be at a place called like there's going to be a pops or they're going to be at Delmer Hall or Chaffetz or something. They'll never touch these other little venues because of how they're running it.
0: And I still think it's funny that aborted It came to Memphis before they would come to St. Louis.
1: <laughs> I really think my personal opinion. Sometimes I really think it's, it's, it's the lack of, um, they're afraid of getting shot. They're afraid, <laughs> something's gonna they're afraid of something's going to happen. There's afraid something stupid. people, do not want to hear about. it people are getting, you know, they they're oh well, that guy's going to talk about that again, and that's the stupidity. That's the just the real ignorance. It's it's if something like that happened at a venue like that when you were, you know, if you had a wrestling event and something happened like that, wouldn't you kind of like make sure that it will never happen again?
0: Well, like, <laughs> we would try, you know. We always want people to feel safe when they come out to an event at Cape Championship Wrestling and we take extremities that a lot of people wouldn't take to make sure that that happens. However, and we can talk about this here in a little bit if you like, but uh, one thing that we have that not all the big venues or concert venues still get is we have insurance. Knock on wood, we don't have to use it. But we have insurance in case something does happen. So somebody's not left, you know, struggling to pay their bills or fighting a lawsuit or something like that to get, you know, get help to be able to survive day to day expenses. Right. So, but we'll get to that in a second because I want to kind of move a little forward here. So we decide to do this project. Here we go, I'll never forget being at work. And you calling me in a frantic because we need a website. And yeah. I have no idea about the first thing about a website. So I go on my lunch break and try to figure out how to get a domain, which is a fun ordeal. And then we get the ball rolling on it. Yep. You know, we've had, you know, there's a lot of people that's come in and out and helped us and it's done some good work. Some did not the greatest work, but that's oh. neither here nor there. Yep. So we start getting the ball going, trying to get sponsorships try to get our foot in the door to some of these venues. Not the easiest thing in the world to do. A lot of people I think just looked at us as a joke until we finally started catching a little bit of a break here, a little bit of a break there, a little bit of a break there. Uh one of the one of my I should I don't know if I want to say favorite memories. But one of the memories that I have is us covering warp tour from the initial headache of trying to get approved to get in. Yeah. Through all that fiasco, getting a photo pass, and then them telling us that since we didn't have a full fledged camera, we couldn't go up front and take photos, even though yep. we're a digital site. And the phones that time in today often will take better photos than what the average digital camera will take unless you have some fancy, you know, high tech uh, (coughs) camera, which the average person, you know, because here's what people got to realize in the start of this, this is a small mall and pop operation that we're running here. We don't have funds to go out and buy thousands of dollars in cameras and things like that. You know, we're barely able to get our logo, put on other banners and stuff to promote and things of that nature and barely able to get into shows much. less go out and buy all this expensive equipment. So we made it work with what we had. And I think sometimes these people didn't understand that, especially in the case of the warp tour and then trying to get all that squared away, but we made what we could of it. I still uh, remember thinking myself laughing at you about struggling to die to death in the heat.
1: Well, <laughs> I 2016 was a terrible year for me, but at the beginning as you remember, I had a uh uh I had a medical issue that I went through. And yeah. that year, remember, and this was before the incident, I think. Or no, this yeah, this is was it before it might be before, four after. I, I think
0: before. Remember.
1: And it was 110. Mm-hmm. Like literally it was 110 on the ground. And I went there and I had a friend of mine, and it was you, and it was all three of us. And, and, and I told her at the time, I was like, I got to go home. I, I got to get the fuck out of here. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm scared to death that <laughs> I was getting so hot that I was just like, I don't think I can make this. And I'll never forget, you walked up to me, and you had that, that hat, that what, what Jurassic Park hat, the guy that runs, you know, the, the old man that has that big hat. You've got mm-hmm. you got a hat just like that. I was like, "Oh, that's your freaking Jurassic Park hat." <laughs> and you showed up with a with a little backpack and you had that and glasses and hey, what are you doing?" And I'm like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And you're <laughs> like, "I'm going to go see some shows and I'm going to do this and this." And I'm like, "I'm not. I'm like,
0: gonna... "Yep, I survived about it. Well, I think I did like 10 hours out there that day." So, you what now?
1: Yeah, I oh said, yeah.
0: Yeah, I did about 10 hours that day of shows, but I also found out that uh, kind of sneaked back to the... Uh, that That's the thing, though. Like, We'll get to that in a second, but it's like the difference when they did a festival at the amphitheater versus like a regular show. Uh, Doing the festival, since they had so many stages, they had, I want to say, like eight or ten stages there that, uh, right. you know, the a breakdown of what actually was considered backstage was a lot rougher than a normal show. So I was able to kind of sweet-talk and window what little pass I had to go back to uh, an area at least where it was shaded, and they had cold water. And that kind of helped me survive it. So I didn't. We... Yeah, you did. I think at that time, time I figured that out. You was done gone.
1: I was gone. I was gone. That was one of the very few shows that, that Warped Tour... Was kind of a cool thing, but why did they think holding it in the middle of fucking July or August was the greatest thing to do? I thought it was the dumbest thing I think I could have ever thought to hold a, a, a festival. And it wasn't like it was in a field. There was, There's was no shade there. Very exactly. little shade. <laughs> and how many times did you see people cart it off? I mean, we went to... Um, we just went to the uh, Wayback Point Fest. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I wanted to see a living color, and I finally got to see them. Lee, I'm not joking you. I bet I've seen 20, 30 people just carted off, and I'm like, really? Because I'm out here. It's not that hot. you know. Like I'm, I'm in the shade, and I'm protecting myself, but I'm like, I'm really not that hot. But I see people like carted off, and I'm like, wow, you know? But yeah, Warp Tour is one of the things that, that was very, very cool that we went to. The thing I missed the most was, uh, I, one festival I miss the most is Mayhem. I, uh-huh. I miss that more than anything else or any other festival that I've ever been to, because at the time, I'm per- it was just phenomenal. Like, you had so many awesome bands, and we just don't have that anymore.
0: No, I agree. I remember because like that was the first time that I'd seen a upon a burning body. And I remember they played like a 15 foot by 15 foot plank with wood that was propped up and like everybody was going crazy. And, you know, you had anthrax playing a side stage, you know, right before, right after Whitechapel.
1: Yeah, I so that's the first time I've seen body count.
0: Oh, yeah. Body count.
1: Body Count, and I remember seeing Body Count, and it wasn't, like, their newest album didn't come out. They're just, it was before their new album came out. Mm-hmm. It was Body Count, Cannibal Corpse, um, oh my god, what other was on I think it stuff? went,
0: like, so, like, they had those three stages there, and if I remember right, it went, like, a mirror played one, and then you had to run over to go see Body Count, and then yep. there, by, right after Body Count, it was Cannibal Corpse.
1: Yeah, it was Cannibal Corpse, and then I, I forgot who was on the main stage.
0: Uh, um, who was on the main stage that year?
1: I don't know. I don't know. I I know that. I don't know. I, I have no idea. I can't remember. I don't know if it was Slayer.
0: No, it wasn't it Slayer.
1: Was, it was something big. I don't know what it was. I don't know who it, it was. Dude, this is a long time ago.
0: I was going to say, was um, this corn?
1: It might be corn. I don't know. It was it corn. I don't. I still have. Somewhere in my bag over in my body, I got, a, I got a big tote of all the shit that I collect over there. Somewhere, I still got the pass. I oh,
0: still wow. Got like
1: some pass that they gave us or gave me. Um, so I don't know how. I,
0: <sighs> it was Avenged Sevenfold. It says Avenged Sevenfold, Corn, Mushroom Head, Candle Corpse, Suicide Silence, Miss May I, Body Count, Trivium, and Mirror... Texas Hippie Coalition, Bella May, Porno, Burning Body, El Nino, Islander.
1: It wasn't a very good one.
0: So I mean,
1: I compared to the ones that I did, I I used to I have seen Tool, I've seen Megadeth, I've seen bands like that, Play Mayhem, um, or Ozfest. That's Ozfest was the thing back in the day, mm-hmm. um, but i'm not really and that's the thing about it is i'm not really into those bands first i mean other than mushroom head but i think i'm into mushroom head more than now than you know because i'm friends with the people exactly the band so i'm kind of like oh you know it's mushroom and that's kind of weird you grow up being a fan i don't know if that's the same way with you, but you grow up being a fan with a band and now that you you you've you bonded and and created friendships with the band. It's really not that band anymore. It's like, Oh, I know that person. And you go to the show just to, you know, shoot shit with them.
0: Right. Well, see see, for mine, it's like, you know, it kind of started getting that way with fit for an autopsy. But as I kind of stepped away from the music scene that really focused on the wrestling, it's a similar situation with a lot of the wrestlers. That, you know, I was talking to uh, one of my friends about this the other day. It's like some of these guys, it's like I remember watching as a teenager and in college being a big fan of. And now it's like I talk to them every couple of days. We exchange Facebook messages. And, you know, when we see each other, it's just like, you know, it's just like two fr- two friends. Right. So it's just yeah. kind of like, yeah, so it's crazy how businesses like this can really do that. So Oh,
1: yeah, it changes everything
0: going talking about friends and good choices and bad choices. Let's go ahead and let let's let's touch on this uh what we've been alluding to here at the beginning of this. Uh I remember it was late summer of that year. I remember going down to Nashville. I'll never forget going down to Nashville it was Acacia strain, Oceano knocked loose and culture killer at the end. And I remember the show being very rough. Like, there was no security, no barricade, So people were stage diving in steel-toed boots. I remember getting kicked in the chest during Knocked Out, or Knocked Loose, getting the breath knocked out of me and having to go outside for a little bit. And then I kind of checked to make sure nothing was broken, and I could see the giant bruise hitting on my chest. And wow. I remember after that show, being going back to my friend's house and being like, Oh man, I my chest hurts like getting kicked there, right? And I stay at my friend Jana's house, and I was like, I tell her I was like, man, my chest kind of hurts, and I can see the bruise, and I'm getting ready to take take a picture, and I'm getting ready to send it, get ready to send it to you, and then I go to pull up Facebook to send it to you, send a Facebook message, and then I look, and then I see a picture of you in the hospital. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like. <laughs> Man, I'm trying to send this guy a picture of me getting hurt at a show, and he's already trying to one up me here.
1: <laughs> always, trying, always trying to one up you. I was in your shadow the whole time. Yeah,
0: yeah. He's I, just he's just trying to one up me here.
1: <laughs> I uh, I'll tell the I, I've always wanted to talk about this and just say my say it all. And, okay. And I've always I've always held back, Lee, and and I you know I have the truth about a lot of it for three years um when that happened it you know i tell the story a hundred times of, of you know, the beginning you know i it you know uh two guys walked in they pushed your girl down i helped her up a little bit i walked outside to see what was going on after them and the next thing you know what was it 90 something bullets were shot or whatever it was i think it was like the one detective told me it was 94 95 bullets um, and I got shot twice in the leg, uh, one ricocheted off my shin. The other one went through the top of my knee, rattled around a little bit, and went out the other side. And it was 45 minutes. I sat there before they took me to the hospital. And when I was in the ambulance, they said, Hey, where do you want to go? And I'm like, I don't fucking care. <laughs> I don't care where I go. Take me somewhere. Well, you got to pick fucking who's what's closer. It slew. Now, backs up a little bit. When I got got shot, it was lights out, dude. For the for for the first twenty thirty minutes, that was like lights out. Like I couldn't. Like I was gonna pass out. My Mm -hmm. anxiety, my my adrenaline. um, They told me not to pass out. The people that worked there that night were phenomenal people. Um, there's not enough. Thank you. And whatever that I could say for the people that were working at, at Foo Bar, they did everything they could to, to handle the problem. But once I was in the hospital, that's when shit broke loose. I was there, I, we, they took me to Slough Hospital. I sat there, I talked to the owner of Foo Bar, I said, Hey, come on. <sighs> He came up. He sat with me. But the reality about it was, is when I came out the next, I, they released me three o'clock in the morning. They gave me some aspirin and said, you know what? You don't, I don't see any bullets in your leg. You're good to <laughs> go. Your blood pressure's fine. Because I was freaking out about my blood pressure. I was like, oh, my blood pressure's going to th- 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 go through the roof. I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. But not. <clears throat> my buddy Steve Jones took me home. Him and his son. I woke up the next morning, and the flood of phone calls. I had so many people say, "I need to help you," or "What do you want you want me to do?" And they started a GoFund for me, <clears throat> and so many people reached out and gave me money, and that was absolutely beyond. You don't see GoFund's anymore. Regardless of, I don't care what happens anymore. You don't really see any. You know that that was. I think it was kind of like a fad. Um. But so many generous people reached out and they tried their best to help me. Now you have those people call you up everybody that listens to you to, to this, everybody has been in a situation. At one time or another, you have people going, Hey, I'll help you out. They won't help you out. They're just saying that to say it. Right. Like I had so many people, hey, we'll cook you food. I had one person cook me food. Um it was an amazing pouring, outpouring of, of, of just people just trying to help, you know, people calling me like, what's going on? If you need anything, please let me know. But later I found there was two GoFunds made that night. One for the windows on the venue that got a lot of attention. And one was for me that didn't get a lot of attention. I didn't understand that because there was four other, or I think four or five other people that got shot that night there. I, 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 I don't know why that happened. Lee, I just don't get it. Mm -hmm. Um, it took me, how long did it take me, Lee? What, six, seven months to, to walk again, right. To just kind of get my bearings, but that's not the worst of it. So at the, of all the trauma, going back to the doctors, the, the thousands of dollars worth of bills, PTSD kicked in. I, mean, I don't know anything about PTSD. I don't know what the fuck that is. I, I never knew what that was. I'd never had that. I had some emotional issues, but I think a lot of that was just me being a jackass. I've changed a lot of, you know, I've changed a lot since since we've met. Um, but it kicked in. And and I tell people all the time. I tell you know whenever I talk to them about this, the shooting. I mean, thank God it wasn't in a horrible place. But that's not the thing that scares me. It's the PTSD that scares me. It's mm-hmm. it's the nightmare. It's the it's the you know staying up till four or five o'clock in the morning, not wanting to sleep. It's the anxiety attacks and panic attacks i'll be out somewhere just normal having a fun time laughing and next thing you know my heart's racing and i'm like what the fuck's what's going on what's why what's happening um i never had that i never did and the mental the mental aspect is absolutely more crippling than that bullet what damage that bullet ever created and, and that's what it is um i've had people turn on me I've had the metal community turn on me. Well, I don't know how or what kind of human being would stand and say, hey, look. Okay, Lee, you get hurt. You get hurt somewhere. You get hurt at the wrestling place. And you're struggling. You can't pay the bills. You're, you're, you're jobless. You can't work because of the injury. Why would anyone turn their head and be like, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and start digging on this guy. He's, he's milking I don't get it. I never got it. And still to this day, still to this day, it's it's been three years. It's, it's been three years. Still to this day, people don't want to hear about it. They don't want to talk about it. They don't, they don't want to mess with it. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to bring it up. They don't want anything. And I understand that I've got to move on. I understand I've got to do things, but do I really have to move on? I mean, it's a crippling thing that happened in my life. Do I, you know, can I, can I heal? Is it okay to heal or is it not okay to heal? And I've lost friendships over the years from this. Oh, you talk about this too much. You talk about, stop talking about your shooting. Just get over it. Yeah. Am I wrong? I mean, what, do you, what the fuck? Uh, what do we live in? What what, what kind of state of, of shit that we live in? The person that promoted the show, that booked the show, that person never did. He reached out to me months after I got shot. It's not his fault. It's not my fault that you got shot. But you booked the show, eh, it's not my fault. The guy who runs the place has been extremely nice. He's been everything that I could ever possibly think. He's been nice as nice as can be. But then I find out they're just digging on me. Mm-hmm. I have so many people that dig. This this situation of getting shot is a very traumatic thing, no matter who I tell or what how I tell it and, and what story that I, you know, uh, what version I bring up as far as how much I want to talk about. You know, and I don't want to be, I don't want that to be the focus of this, this podcast or anything, but I mean, to me, if I was a 15 year old kid and you told me, hey, you're going to get shot at <laughs> 40, <laughs> 45, you know, 40, 45 years old, you're going to get shot, dude. I mean, right. we could say this for people that are 15 that's, hey, you're going to die at your 20, you know, you're, you're, when you're 20. You don't ever know, but, I would have never imagined this. It doesn't exempt me from anything. But at the same degree, the way it was handled, I'll never forgive people for that. I never will. I never, until the day I breathe my last breath, I'll never forgive how people just act like the jackass and turned on me. Because it's like, I wouldn't wish that onto my worst enemy. There'd be no fucking way. I would never, you know, when you're really, really mad and you, 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 you know... I think that's the worst thing. When people get really, really mad, they act like a they act like a twelve year old. They say things mm-hmm. really stupid, like really, really dumb things. Oh, I hope exactly. you die or whatever, like that. No, you don't. You don't. <laughs> you know. So, yeah, I've reached out. I mean, when when it happened, I reached out to everybody and her brother. I had some amazing people reach out to me. Some amazing bands reach out to me. Uh, just so many friends that just absolutely did whatever they could have done. Um, people that that donated money. Um, the one person that donated food, I will never forget her. And, and regardless, I uh, just absolutely, there's there's not, a not uh, enough thank yous in my life. But for some reason, again, this community let the let the metal elitists and the hipsters run it. And whenever you do that, that slices out. That's mm-hmm. it that's it doesn't matter they've got it in wrestling they it's it's an enemy other it's in your workplace there's people like that and when you let these people run that that's it that's 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 you're gonna sink the ship before it even sets sail right and on top of that that year I had a stroke I, I used to weigh over 300 pounds and I think 320, 330, what I weighed, and I smoked three packs of cigarettes every day. I was, I drank a little bit, you know that. Um, uh, and I had a stroke, and it it killed me, and it, I, it was a wake up call. And then five months later, I got shot, and I remember telling the ambulance driver, "I was like, I had a stroke five months ago," and he's like, "Well, you're not having a stroke now," and I said, "I'm (laughs) going to have a stroke," and he goes, "You would have had it by now, bud. I'm just letting you know." And it was just, it was something, but, you know.
0: You know, it's one of those things that uh, I always, you know, anybody that's asked me about it, you know, I tend to forget that, you know, you and I are a lot closer than uh, a lot of people and some of these people I've talked to, so anybody that's initially asked me about it, I've always told them, I was like, well, they was like, well, how did you feel about it? And I was like, well, I personally didn't feel sorry for him because I invited him to go with me to Nashville and he decided to uh, <laughs> stay there instead, so, you know.
1: I but, uh, actually show i was working shows and i don't know if you remember i was working shows and i was doing load ins remember that i remember just to get in just to get in the venues
0: right now i remember uh actually i don't know if you remember the exact details of it but i remember you uh you just tell me that uh you were you were staying and helping out to do security and load in and uh, you were gonna get paid ten dollars an hour for it And and I remember telling you I was like, well, she's going with me to Nashville for the show, and you're like, no, nah, man, I'm getting this ten dollars hour easy money. And then uh, I'll never forget because you did the the the, the deal was he's doing the security show for that, and then going down the street to go see a local show, and uh, you never made it to the local show.
1: No, I was going to. Uh, it was I think who was playing that night? It was Capella uh, um, Destroy. Wonder-
0: i thought it was it was either compelled destroyer or hollow boy
1: one of the two one of the two and everybody found out at firebird and i don't know what happened there i know that yeah. um i don't know it, it took it took a week to process what happened to me mm-hmm. it, it took kind of like it was funny it was in the house i was i was at home that's how grueling it was i was at home and it was nine o'clock in the morning i didn't sleep that night it was hotter than shit. It was hotter than hell. I think it was, I think it was. I don't know what happened. I, I was really, really hot. And I had to get up to go to the restroom. And I couldn't get up to go to the restroom. Like, I couldn't move my leg. Like, I, no matter how I moved my leg, it was severe pain. And it was swelling. And it was bleeding everywhere. Then I get to the hospital. Sue Hospital calls me. No joke. I still got, I, I actually screenshot. I still, I, I, I got everything saved. They call me and they go, Hey, Mr. McFarlane, you gotta come back up. I'm like, What? Yeah, we made a mistake. You gotta come back <laughs> up. What do you mean I gotta come back up? By, by, by myself, I can't come back up. Well, what's the closest hospital to you? I live in I live in Wentzville. So they, they send the they send the, the, the things to Winsville. So here's what I do. This is the this is my first day after I got shot. I get up, I try to go to the restroom, I can't. I can't. The bathroom's not big and tall enough. I was going to take a shower. (laughs) Good luck on that. That ain't (laughs) happening. So I just keep my clothes on. I'm like, screw this. I'm just going to put some shorts on. I'm going to go to my car, and I'm going to do this. Well, dude, I couldn't, like, move. Like, I got into the car. It was a stick shift. I was like, well, how the fuck am I going to do this? I can't move my leg. I somehow made it. So I drove to the hospital. I got there, they re-bandaged the knee, they looked at it. I was in horrible shape. Dude, it was just the worst. And they're like, do you have somebody, like, they're telling me you can't drive anymore. And I'm like, look, I got this. Like, I just, I just want to go home, you know. So, I ended up, when I left the hospital, I was like, I'm hungry. I have no food at home. I have no food at all. So, I go to Walgreens. I pull up in the parking lot. I get out of the car, I get the crutches, I'm standing, I'm sweating from ear to ear because of the pain. I'm like, I'm going to go in. Dude, I crutch all the way to the door, the door opens, I go in, I take two steps, and I realize, how in the hell am I going to carry any food?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: How in the hell am I going to do anything? And I literally, the most embarrassing thing that ever happened to me, I, I broke down. I It just, it, it hit me. It hit me like a ton of break. I couldn't do it. This lady that worked at the Walgreens, she was a young girl. She's probably like, I don't know, she's probably in her teens. She come right up to me, and she's like, "What's going on?" And I'm like, "I can't get food." She goes, "I said I'm just gonna go home," and she goes, "No, no, no, no." She goes, "What food you got?" She goes, "Let's let's go shopping. Let's go she goes, sell down. Let's go shopping." And the manager came up and I'm like, "Let's let's go help." And they didn't know who the hell I was or what happened mm-hmm. or whatever. I explained to them at the, you know, while we're doing this, that what happened to me. And they walked the aisles and helped me shop, get my food, and that girl, this is not a lie, this that girl followed me to my house and dropped my groceries off for me. And stuff like that, that's what meant, you know, that's what, you know, that's what helped. I mean, that's what I mean that's what I needed. Right. You know, so I mean, long story short, it's been three years. I still have progressed I mean I still have I still have knee problems I still have pain I still have um, supposedly I have one surgery that needs to be done on my knee I just can't keep on pushing it off a little bit um, you know things are a lot better than what they are but I still have the PTSD and I still have that I probably will have that for a little bit longer they say it it, it, it goes away eventually It needs to go away. It should have gone away years ago, but it's not that simple. But anyway.
0: So this is a part where the listeners are listening to this and thinking, okay, so we're going to get now to the inspirational part of after this where things get better. Well, spoiler, they didn't. (laughs) No. Now, if you remember what happened after this, after the fact that you started healing, started getting a little better, Then you try, you start it, you know, get back to day to day functions. Then your car got totaled.
1: I ended up, uh, I was driving to, I was actually driving to, I think, a restaurant. And uh, it was in O'Fallon, Missouri. And the light turned green. I pulled out in the intersection, and an old man, like 70 years old, he literally plowed into me doing 60 miles per hour. He T boned me. I saw the truck come. I didn't know what to do. I didn't have. I didn't have no idea what to do. I laid into that car. I downshifted and thought I could outrun him, um, and I didn't. And he totaled my car. Like that day, it. The only thing it gave me was like a mild like concussion, a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um, I saw him coming and I prepared myself for the hit. So I didn't know what. Um, I didn't know. I didn't know at all. Like it, it, it was just the, uh, it ran, dude. When it rains, I swear to God, it fucking rains.
0: Yes, um, That is true, my friend. That is very <laughs> true.
1: It, it rained. And I was just like, I just looked up to the heavens, like, what do you got? What are you doing? Like, I, I don't get it. I don't like, you know, me personally. My grandfather always told me, and I was raised this way, my grandfather told me, and I talked about, you know, there's always somebody worse out, you know, out there, you know, worse than you. My grandfather always told me, he goes, a half a bucket of shit and a full bucket of shit is still a bucket of shit. It's how you deal with it. That's, that's the situation. And he goes, Tim, some people were born with, with, with more problems than you have, but there are some people born with more problems than you have that do more than what you do. And you're, you don't even have half the situation problems that they got. So it's all about how you deal with things and how you control things and how you mess with it. So, yep, the car wreck. And then after that, I was just like, that's it. That's, I need to take a break from, <laughs> from life, I guess, for a little bit.
0: But here, here's a, here's a takeaway from this. And I think this is what, You know, people need to look at going forward with this. You know, you talk about, you know, after getting shot, how the uh, metal scene, there was some love. There was a lot of hatred that goes to it. I think that what needs to be pointed out here, most people, once something turned their back on them, they would, both backs would be turned in essence. And here's the thing. Even though you went through all this and you had to uh, deal with, you know, the naysayers and things like that with the shooting, you still persevered through and wanted to continue to help the metal scene in St. Louis.
1: Absolutely, I did.
0: Which I think is very commendable in this situation. And I think that, you know, from where it was then, To where it is now. It is leaps and bounds. You know. Better and greater than. Where it is. You know. You're getting. The bigger. You know like you talked about earlier. You know. You're getting. You got to work with Ghost. And. And I've known you got to work with bands like Hate Breathe. And things of that nature. So kind of walk us through the transition. From where you. Where it was after all this happened to where it is right now
1: it it's the magazine was so low at that time it you know we were struggling we were doing we were doing load-ins for bands like devil driver and murder and and black dolly murder but along the way we were making friends
0: and deicide
1: and deicide <laughs> uncle, uncle glenn
0: uncle so, Glenn.
1: <laughs> so and we the magazine progressed, and though everyone was doing their shithole thing, I still did. I still went. I we still progressed. I never stopped. I never gave up. And and the people that has helped me throughout this whole time, they didn't either. I never I never thought about quitting. You know, at the time, you know, obviously you go through doubts. No matter what you do, you're going through a doubt. But it never stopped. The magazine never stopped. And we ended up getting interviews with Dave Elson from Megadeth. And we got, you know, King Diamond, Matt Thompson from King Diamond. And it kept on getting progressively bigger and bigger and bigger. To the point where the bands knew who the hell we were. And to the point where the record labels, I'll never forget that time. And you told that story. When we did the, you know, I called you up frantically, like, Lee, we're not doing anything because we never win we don't have any interviews and number two we don't have a website i remember it was nuclear blast told us like they very the lady was the most honest sweet lady i've ever met in my life she goes sweetheart she goes we're not going to talk to you we're not going to do anything to you unless you have a website and i was like but it happened it mm-hmm. it, it you know you made it happen and we had it we had to have interviews So what did I do? I contacted, what, 25, 30 people that I knew personally? People that you would never, ever contact this way. I just wrote to them on Facebook saying, hey, can I do an interview with you? And everyone from, who was it, obituary to... um,
0: Terry Butler.
1: Terry Butler from, to, we did Pop Evil. Remember, I, I reached out to Matt Dorito or whatever. Yeah. And I met him one time down in Nashville and got to talking to him. And he goes, hey, if you need anything, give me a call. And what did I do? I reached out to him, fit for an autopsy. Um, people of that nature I reached out to, and, and the magazine progressed, and it, it got bigger. Um, and it got to the point where now we're doing photos for Live Nation. Um, the magazine has grown so much, and I think it's it's helped because of the people that, that helps me out Throughout this process of, of taking care of things, um, my girlfriend now she has absolutely without her help, I think a lot of times a lot of the stuff couldn't be done. Um, she does the photos now. She knows. Dude, we bought a re- she bought a real expensive camera, and we needed a camera. We finally bought one. I, I'm because I'm I'm just a penny pincher, mm-hmm. and we finally bought one. And I will never forget. Like we got it the first day I looked at it and I kind of shout out to Brittany. Shout out to Brittany. Um, I wanted to do something with it. I didn't know what the fuck dude. I I would, if I mess with that camera, I'll have the lights in the house, turn off and on when I'm clicking it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I didn't know what I was doing. And I ended up giving it to her. And within five minutes, she had that thing running. Um, She was playing with it. She knew what was going on. She knew what, how to do stuff. And then she was doing photos. And then the Marvel thing, was we took photos for, I think, the Behemoth show. Um, That was the first time she ever did photos, and she posted them, we shared them, we tagged everybody, we we did hashtag. Live Nation shared it on Twitter, and it got 460 views. Um, 460,000 views. It got shared. And I realized, and this was probably a couple months ago, that was that was it. We made it like we, mm-hmm. we actually on the map. And now we can reach out to no matter who it is. I reach out for an interview or whatever like that. And it's done. It's pretty much it's it's. Yeah. But again, alluding to or going back to this first conversation. I can get shows out of you know this. We've done this before. We got shows out of state. We got shows in Europe. Did we just not do press and 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 summer breeze? Or well, the magazine just do press with summer breeze and, and 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 party sand over in Germany. We just did press. We just did photos with that. But still, at these couple venues here in St. Louis, I can't get it. it. It it absolutely crushes me. But the magazine has absolutely progressed. We had sixty thousand hits last year. Um, the the um, we have got two facebook's that are doing fucking phenomenal. We've got an instagram I think up to 13 14,000 followers that fluctuates. Twitter, I don't know. I don't know what to think of twitter. Um, <laughs> I've got a pa- podcast that I'm going to be starting here in about a month or about a, half, you know, a couple weeks. Um, I'm going to try to get the youtube channel going. It's progressively gotten better. And I think the thing about it is is that no matter how, what happens to you, you just can't get up. You just can't give up. You just got to keep on exactly. running. You got to get up and keep on running. And I can spend my time h- hating people and hating things, but that's not going to do me any damn bit of good. And, you know, you ended up leaving the magazine. Um, it really, it, that was probably the hardest day of my business career. Is to get that letter, and I was devastated at the time. You know, mm-hmm. I was just like, "How am I going to fucking do this?" I mean, I got it, and the guy's gone. And you started a very successful business yourself. I mean, you start. I mean, that's. I mean, you with 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 the help of people and things like that, you've done what you're doing. You know, you have an awesome partnership uh, with a wrestling company, but again, you're like me. You just didn't stop.
0: You continued
1: it, and, and, and continued to be like, you tell me no? Somebody tells me no now, what do I do, Lee? I'm going to go behind your fucking back. I don't give a shit. Right. I'm going to get yes because, you know what, somebody's going to say yes to me. And sure shit, somebody does say yes to me.
0: So And, and that's the thing. Is it's like when I left the company, it, it was not something that I necessarily wanted to do. It was something that I knew that I could not give a hundred and ten percent to both companies and still be a functioning human being I knew that where I needed to be was at the wrestling I knew I had faith in you that this would continue to go and it would go in the direction that it needed to go so it was hard to send that email so yes to those listeners I, I sent an official email it wasn't like I didn't send a text that said I hate you I quit like, I sent yeah. an official email saying, hey, you know, this is kind of where it is in life. This is where my calling is. And, like, I put in there, you know, if you – and I and I feel like I've stuck with this since that day, is, you know. I've always said if you've ever needed anything from me, you know how to get a hold of me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it – I've always had – it was kind of me, you, and Phil. And, you know, Phil came at a later time. But I mean, and Phil's always been—you know—Phil kind of took up the slack. Uh, um,
0: Although Phil's still in debt to me because he never it, paid forward what he owes me, but that's another story for another day.
1: <laughs> that's that's something that you need to talk about with him. But the—it's um, kind of funny. Phil's been there from day—you know—from almost day one mm-hmm. to a certain degree. And he told me probably about a month ago. He goes, "Hey, man," he goes, "October is my last day," and. Did it bother me? Yeah, it kind of, it bothered me, you know, but there's more important things that he has to take care of in life, and there's more important things that he has to deal with, and that's fine, and I've been running the magazine, for the most part, I've been doing it, you know, by myself for Mm -hmm. the last month or two, and it's very easy, it's it's pre-scheduling things, it's taking time out of you know, my life to do stuff like that. But it's just pre-scheduling shit and just kind of just like, okay, well, I'm just going to go ahead and, and, uh, you know, do this because this needs to be done today. And then I'm actually ahead of the game. And we started doing booking. We're were booking bands. Um, We we promote bands as much as we possibly can. Um, You're not going to make everybody happy. But for the most part, I'm the most honest black and white guy. I'm probably too honest about shit. Um, but I'm the most honest black and white guy that you meet, and, and I just don't tell it how it is. You know, is. I'm just like, okay, well, you know, if this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this ain't going to happen, this ain't going to happen. Um, but
0: Yeah, why, why can't my band that has 200 likes on Facebook, why can't you get me opening for Metallica?
1: Dude, I had a band, and I'm not, I'll never <laughs> mention any names, but I had a band reach out to me and go, we want to open up for Rob Zombie. I don't know what crack you're smoking, but you need to clean that fucking screen before you hit that pipe. I don't <laughs> know what you're thinking that you could think that that would happen. That's just the silliest thing I've ever heard. And I've had bands. I don't understand why we're not doing <laughs> I'm just kind of like, are you kidding me? You know, it's you know what? God bless them for, for you know, here, how about Southern way of saying it? Bless your heart for you having the gall to think that you're better than everyone else and whatever, Lee, you know it just as well as I do. Sometimes you run into something and you're just kind of like, you got to be shitting me. Did you just say that?
0: Did you just think
1: that? Like you seriously, like I try to think before I talk and believe me, you could talk to Brittany privately and she probably thinks that bad idiot. Sometimes he opens his mouth and that's not how it rolls
0: wait now and, when you say fat idiot are you talking about you or me
1: yeah, I'm talking about me obviously me so it's just something that I try to watch my words I try to watch what I said try to back stuff i try to back it up as much as I possibly can um with my like you know what I'm doing but <laughs> I mean some of these some of the some of the some of the people that I run across and some of the stuff happens um I just don't understand the logic of it I just don't I don't get it. Mm-hmm. And it's all communication. It really is. It's all communication. You know, I tell bands every day, I'm like, you you can do this. Like you fucking look, why can that person do it and you can't do it? Don't give me any bullshit. You can do it. It's not up to me. Just because you hire me doesn't mean that you're gonna get to that point. You gotta help yourself get to that point. It's like you it's like someone addressing a um, addressing a problem with somebody. Like, hey, you've got bad depression. You need to pull yourself out of depression. That person shouldn't lean on that other person that told you that. That should, person should lean on himself and be like, you're fucking right. I need to get out of that depression. It's the same thing with the man. You, Hey, you want to play with Rob Zombie? Then fucking do it. Work your ass off and fucking do it and let people help you. And use those people as stepping stones to get where you need to get. And but that's not exactly ever
0: expect how a handout. It.
1: No, when when a wrestler comes up to you and go, "Hey, Big Lee, how do I get on that main stage or main act, or how do I wrestle on WWE?" and you're just going to tell them, "Well, what?" I, I have a feeling you would tell them, "Dude, I'll help you as much as I can, but you, you need to use me as a stepping stone, and you need to climb as hard as you can climb." As fast exactly. As you, can climb. you know, we one wrestler we we were she's on her Facebook, but remember, was her Sarah? I think yeah. it is. Um. Remember the day she was wrestling out. I think she was wrestling in someone's backyard at one time. Um, and that was years and years ago. And what happened? That girl did not stop. Like, that was like, one day, you know, now she's on WWE. You know, and I'm just kind of like, that's the testimony of people, you know, achieving their goal. Any, I, I feel that anybody can do anything and just can't stop. You just can't, you don't, you can't afford to stop. That's mm-hmm. not how things work. So, I mean, this is just normal life. This is just normal life struggling and, and progressing and, and bands or businesses and, and God bless them all. They, 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 they work their asses off and do what they got to do. But I mean, it's just some of the shit that I hear, I'm just kind of like, I don't know if you know what the fuck you're doing. Like, maybe you shouldn't be doing this.
0: Exactly. You know? So it's just You're not cut out for the business. It isn't a hobby, it's a business.
1: You told me one day, you told me flat out one day, you said it's not selling out Tim, you're buying in. Yep. And I will never forget those words. And I did. I bought in. I went to Live Nation. I how many how many years is this? Two or three years? I went to Live Nation and what did I do? I begged clawed, struggled due to whatever I had to do to take pictures at their venue and what happened. I ended up getting taking pictures at their venue. And I can reach out to Live Nation for any event. I don't care if it's country, I don't care what it is, and I can get the photos. And it took, Mm -hmm. how many years did it take? It took, what, four years? Three Mm or four years to get that?
0: Yep. So let's look at the future here. You said that you had a podcast coming up. Tell me a little bit about the podcast.
1: The podcast is something I've always wanted to do. Um, It's not really music oriented. Um, It's going to be focused on uh, stuff that I want to talk about. Kind of like what you're doing, but uh, to me, it's more sports, more Mm -hmm. life. Um, Talking about music as well, but talking about horror movies, you know, all sorts of shit. Um, and, And just basically things of that nature. And... I've always wanted to have a podcast like that. Um, I want to make it, I I wanted to make it friendly to the point where I can interview, you know, or not interview, but talk to, you know, actors and celebrities and sports stars and all that stuff without them being intimidated from the name of the magazine. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I, I I made up a name that I thought that was, I thought it was appropriate. I thought it was good. And, um, I shared it with you. You're the first gonna person that heard of it. are going to have you about. tell
0: me it's going to be called Tim McFarlane's World.
1: You know what? It is. And it's <laughs> me with a, with a beanie on and kind of like <laughs> with a world and yelling. And it looks just like yours, but <laughs> it's me. So it's, but yeah, it's it's something that, like I said before, it's something I've always wanted to do and, and I've always wanted to um, get into it. Um, it's going to be called from beyond the noise and, um, I, I'm, I'm excited. I really am excited. I'm able to talk and, and progress with the magazine. I think this is the last and final step that, mm-hmm. that I need to do before bigger, and better things. And it's a shame because, um, you know, I, I, it's not a shame. It, it really is a cool thing that we have started. I, I, you are one of my closest friends. I, I've always said that. Um, I don't know why we just clicked. We've been to so many shows together.
0: I think you, it's cause and, we both have a face for radio.
1: Yes, we do. And <laughs> I think it's, you are one of the people that I have I've I've gone to shows I've never been so mad at a human being <laughs> that I am at you at times when we went to shows and I was like you I've knock your fucking teeth out I was just like so mad at you at times but then again there wouldn't be enough to push have me push you away because I just you're that kind of person and mm-hmm. but you did what you wanted to do you didn't give a shit about anyone else you're doing what, what Lee needs to do and you did it, and you got pictures with people and and bands, and that we used to be. And that's remember, I remember the phase that we went through. That we went through like um, uh, getting pictures with with band people. Right. And I think I'm gonna let you tell the story real fast. But there's one individual band that we ended up. We were down in Tennessee.
0: Oh dear God.
1: Wanted we to get a picture with this guy. Oh. And it took what a year later, year and a half oh, later got the picture
0: so i actually wasn't going to tell this story but i'll go ahead and tell it so tim and i went down to clarksville tennessee so for those of you who are not familiar with the area uh, clarksville tennessee is on the kentucky tennessee border roughly about an hour before you get to nashville and there was a venue there called the warehouse and we went down to go see the uh Death metal iconic band Deicide, or yeah. as we refer to him earlier as Uncle Glenn's band, yeah, Glenn Benton. The I, I don't honestly like I tell people this story, like I don't know exactly how to fully describe it. Is like the way I understand it is, you know, Glenn got the inverted cross branded into his forehand, or his forehead, not his forehand, his forehead, forehead. Yep. and uh, that something like he is going to start like a suicide cult. And he never followed through with it. And when it kind of didn't fall through, it seemed like his popularity took a decline. So, anyways, we uh, go down there to to go see D aside. And you can search the social medias. There's a pretty cute picture of me and uh, Tim together in our ma- in our well not matching, but uh, both had D aside Christmas sweaters. Because it was Christmas time when this happened. Because that's how good of people we are. We go see the satanic death metal band Deicide at Christmas time. Yeah. So we get these, like, the cool little Christmas, ugly Christmas sweater things. And it's a very small venue. Like, I mean. Yeah. So meeting the notorious Glenn Benton from Deicide was not going to be an issue. So we go. We see the show. All that, that happened there. And then we're waiting to meet Glenn. And Glenn comes in uh, back from the bus to do a merch split with the venue. And we see Glenn coming in. We talk to him for a second. We're like, I remember it was me, you, and some other people there. Me and you wanted a photo with him. Uh, The other people there wanted to get their CD signed. There's only like four or five of us there. And he's like, hey, let me go do this merch split, put the money on the bus, and then we'll come back. And uh, we'll take pictures and sign whatever you want. So we're sitting in the venue doing this. We're waiting and waiting. And we hear this loud noise outside. And then I don't remember who got up to go look. But it one of me. us went up. Was it you? Yeah. Got up I was to go me. look. <laughs> and next thing you know, it's was like. They're pulling out of the parking, out of the gravel parking area to go uh, leave the venue. So Glenn. Lied to us. So I remember you getting, was getting in the car, was in your car, or like drive, like driving really fast, trying to chase them down to see if they're going to a truck stop to be like, hey, where's our picture at? Yeah. Needless to say, we did not catch up with them. So yep. I wrote a Facebook post calling them out, saying, Hey, you know, like <laughs> what happened? You said this. That's not cool. I ended up getting blocked from the D Facebook page. So, yes, you did. for those out there wondering what kind of person I am, I got blocked from one of the most evil, satanic bands' Facebook pages of all time because I hurt their feelings.
1: It was, I'll never forget, <laughs> we were, remember we went back, it was kind of like backstage, and mm-hmm. people were walking back there, and he was smiling, getting pictures of everybody. And we were like, we were next, remember? We were next to get down there, and get <laughs> get back there. And what happens? Some ding-dong comes up and goes, hey, <laughs> you guys got to leave the area. Right. And we're like, no, wait, what? No, it's it's right here.
0: And I remember us name-dropping the promoter of the show at that time, and it still yes. didn't matter.
1: No, no, it it did not matter at all. I was like... You got to be fucking shitting me. This just fucking happened. Mm-hmm. And we were blitz pissed. Remember, I don't know what time it was. And this is pre before anything happened. This is 2015. I, I still have the poster for that from that night. Mm-hmm. Um, that we went to subway at a gas station. Yep. And we didn't get home. It was probably the worst drive I've ever. I don't know about you, but this is the worst drive I've ever had in my life driving somewhere. I've never been so tired in my life.
0: Yeah, because still to this day, I never understood why you didn't just stay here. Because we went from Clark, Clarksville to Cape to drop me off. And then he drove from Cape to Wentzville.
1: I don't know, dude. I What, what time I get home? Four o'clock in the morning. And then I think I had worked the next day. Yeah. And I'll never forget going to work. And we sat on. I sat on the zero turn. I worked for the parks department. And I sat on the zero turn during lunch and I fell asleep and everyone let me sleep because my big boss wasn't there. I didn't, I woke up at five thirty in the afternoon. Everybody was gone. We leave at three 30 every day. And then a note stapled to my chest saying, lock up the doors, dumbass," And, <laughs> <laughs> and they took pictures of me and all sorts of, they painted my arms and stuff. I was so tired. I, I was just out of it. But that was one was, that was probably the most infamous, infamous thing that we ever did. That was the worst. I know that for me, one time I said hi to Scott Ian from Anthrax, and he basically just blew me off like I was dirt. That really bothered me.
0: So I was going to say, that to me is not our most infamous adventure. To me, my what I remember is, so I remember it was another Butcher Baby show. And it's when the Butcher Babies, after the fact, invited us to go to the strip club across the tracks. Oh, at, my so God. That was
1: terrible, dude.
0: So I remember <laughs> saying, no, I'm not going because I have to be at work at 830 the next morning and I leave. And then it kicked in my head. I was like, don't be stupid. you." Go- the Butcher Babies invited you there. You better go over there. Yeah. So I remember turning around, going back to the strip club where they're at, and uh, I remember there's a video of this on the Instagram at Bigly756. You can scroll through the post. It's a couple years ago, so you may have to go a little further back. But there is a video of Heidi riding the giant mechanical dildo there. But you,
1: did, you didn't. Here's the thing. At the beginning of the show, or at the end of the show, remember Heidi coming up to both of us?
0: And she gave what me a pity guys, twister.
1: She did. But what does she say to us? She goes, what are you guys doing? And we're like, we're about ready to leave. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. You got to go to the strip club with us. You got to go to the strip club with us. I'm like, that's why I convinced you. I'm like, don't be stupid. We're going to the strip club with Heidi. Now, I don't know what I was thinking. I'm probably something stupid. But why would I turn that down? I was like, right. oh, we're going to go to the strip club with Heidi. Come on, Lee. Come on, come on, come on, come on.
0: So I remember us getting there. Sitting at a table with them, she went to go ride the giant mechanical dildo. And yeah. that was pretty well the end of them that night. However, this is one of my favorite parts, because I still think it's one of the funniest things of all time I've experienced. Was after the, like that, we end up going over to a table to where uh, some of the band members from, um, how do you say, a Mariante. Because the singer wasn't there. We'd already met her, but the rest of the band was like kind of chilling out there. And they're like, Hey, remember y'all from the show? Come on, you know, come on over and sit down with us. So yeah. we sat down with them and start talking. And one of the members of the band ordered a round to Jameson for everybody. Yeah. And I remember you looking at me terrified. Like and say, What do I do with this? And I'm just thinking, You drink it it, Throw it back. It'd just be cool. So, the Jameson rounds come come around to us. And they do their little cheer. What I don't even remember what the toast was. It wasn't really that important to us. But we go. We all start throwing it back. Throw the sh- shot of Jameson back. And I look. Tim has started to throw his back. And as you could tell, as soon as the first part of the Jameson hit his throat, he starts gagging and coughing. And yeah, that just
1: I, I didn't really drink a whole lot of that and, and, stuff back then well
0: that's the thing is like it's so funny is because James is like one of the roughest it's an Irish whiskey so it's not like the easiest thing to drink in the world to begin with and if you're not a big drinker it's like oh wait like what is it oh you know you just feel it like clenching your throat so it's like just kind of like oh, oh man like it it's yeah. something you got to be prepared for it if you're not really prepared for it it'll catch up with you.
1: How many times did we see Butcher Babies?
0: Oh, dear God. How many
1: times did we... Now, Here's I started... A... Did we start... I, I did. I started with the nipple tape, and I think you did with the nipple tape as well.
0: Yeah, we started with the nipple tape. I did. Because I remember the first time I was, was with Opeth and One-Eyed Doll. Was so... it Nashville? Do what?
1: Was yours in Nashville?
0: No, mine was at Pop's.
1: See, we were I was at that show with One Eye Dow because we got that interview with her later on and I'll never forget I sent I sent Phil up he'll never forgive me for that. I sent Phil to one eye and he goes, That was the worst shit I've ever done in my life. <laughs> because it was like the, he was asking a question and she would answer it like and his her husband was just like, No, 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 honey, you need to talk about music, not like flying bats or whatever and she like "Right, go, right." Imagine. So anyway, I, that's where I saw, that's when I seen them, but I think we stopped counting after seven or eight times and we were just going, I think after the third time, a group of us, we were just going just to fucking keep the tradition of going. We exactly. didn't really give a shit either way.
0: But yeah, cause, cause I know it got just, to the point to where I stopped going. Oh, I did just, too. Just cause you know, it's a two hour drive each way for me to go. And it was at the fact is like. It was a fun time and everything, but at the same time, it's still, you know, it's still a haul and it got to the point where if it wasn't other bands with it, then, you know, it was making it rough for me to make the trip up or just for that.
1: Yeah, it, I think that's, that's one of the bands. I finally got an interview with them. um, I think, how many years ago? I think two or three years ago, I got an interview with them. Um, Finally sat down and and got to talk to him and see him personally. It was with another friend of mine. And, I mean, they're probably, Heidi's probably one of the most nicest people, um, person that I've ever ran into. Carla, she's she's super nice, too. Mm -hmm. She's just distant. Um, But we ended up being friends with them over the years, um, where we can just walk up to them. And they'll kind of look at you a little bit and, oh, I know who you are, you know, and, and stuff like that. Right. But that's something, like I said before, we, we always went and, and did. and we, Fit for an Autopsy is like one of those same bands. I think I stopped seeing them after six or seven times. Um, Goat Whore is the same way. I'll, I'll never forget. I talked to Ben. I'm like, the lead singer. I'm like, he, he asked me, he goes, how many times have you seen me? And I said, dude, I think this is the ninth time. And he goes, what the fuck are you? Why are you doing? He goes, why would you see me so? He goes, why would you see us so much? and it was like a legit question and i'm like he goes no no i just want to he goes i'm not making fun of you he goes thank you and he actually gave me a shirt for him saying that. but he um he said why why did you see us that much and i said because i'm a huge fan you know i'm a huge huge fan um some bands i look i I would repeatedly see some bands i won't you know Mm -hmm. i i think that i think fit for an autopsy um I, I, dude, I will never forget seeing them for the first time. And it was next to the venue at the Ready Room. I don't know what that place was called. Remember that little shit? The old, demo. The demo. I saw them with Final Drive. And there was nobody there because Machine Head was playing at Foo Bar.
0: I was at the Foo Bar show.
1: Right. So I was at Fit for an Autopsy. They had van problems and. I actually like was helping them get a band and whatever like that. That's how I started, and that was what 2013. I don't know when it was 2012 or 13.
0: No, nah, uh, I think it was like 15.
1: No, it wasn't 15 because it was fi- because fuck how many albums they got out now? I mean that was their that was pre that was pre the lead singer what's his name Joe he just started he just joined the band remember?
0: Yeah, because I want to say years. that was that was 15. Because right after they did that tour, they did the tour with Suicide Silence. And uh, that was when I saw them in Memphis. Because it, so it was a couple months me, after. I'm
1: completely wrong, but I, I thought it was way earlier because they were just like, and that was just, that was a long, that was to me, that was a long time ago. That was like, wow, mm-hmm. that was a, many, many moons ago. But, um, but it was like, I mean, the cool thing about it was, or the cool thing about this is that we, I mean, we have done. A lot of really amazing things. Um, I just did my first interview with a with a hockey player, with an NHL goaltender. Um, you know, the magazines progressed and and
0: now is that still like going to be the it, first episode of the podcast? Or did you already well, put already, the interview well, out?
1: I re- I already put it out because it just sat there too long, and uh-huh. I try to help hold it on, but um, it, it sat there too long. Now I will try to convert my interviews to the podcast this time goes along we're going to play music we're going to do a lot of things um and it's going to be a really cool show it's going to be it's going to have a music on, it's going to have music on it um we're going to talk about you know movies um am
0: i going to get to come on there and talk wrestling
1: we're going to talk wrestling a lot of wrestling
0: a lot of um, wrestling
1: the thing that we need to do lee and we haven't done i've been talking to Brittany about it is we need to do the days of the dead again um we me and you that used to be a passion of ours is to do stuff like that.
0: Well and the problem is I, it's so expensive.
1: Well, we used to have media passes. Remember I had media passes Yeah, two of them. And um, I need to start reaching out to do those again. Um, I know Sid Heg just passed away. We got the opportunity
0: Rest to Rest in meet peace him. Sid Heg.
1: Oh Hag. my god, that was it was it was kind of cool to talk to him. I re- mm-hmm. I'll never forget I was in the. I don't think you went to the Kentucky one. I went to the Kentucky one, um, and in Louisville, Kentucky, it had it had John Hedder there from Napoleon Dynamite, it had Elvira, um, and I ended up sitting at a lunch table and talking to Sid Heg for about thirty minutes. And about him he ate and his wife was there and he had some other somebody else, I just walked over to him. I was ordering my food and I was kind of you know dicking around and. I looked he was at the table right behind me and uh, I basically said, you know, hey, thanks for coming out, man. He goes, I've always been a fan of you guys and, and I didn't mean to bother you eating and whatever. He goes, pull up a chair, you know, and I have never like <sighs> the magazine has brought me so many wonderful things and, and brought me so many cool things that I can see with companies like Legator mm-hmm. guitars and then being on the radio with the Viper and and took us the places that we would never think that we would ever go you know and meeting actors that i grew up watching and being able to talk to them and be able to to interact with them um is just phenomenal you know And, and be able to talk to sid hegg for 30 minutes i understand i'm just i'm just a grain of sand to what he's experienced in his lifetime but to me that's my world you know and and being able to have interviews coming up uh in the future um, we've got a lot of shit coming up in the future. That's just really, really big. And I've been working behind the scenes and doing all this stuff and, um, the people that's helped me out, you know, like Phil and Powell and Maria and Luke. Um, he just joined just a while back. I, I can't think anything more about him. And,
0: um, I still like so when you take a trip out to Vegas to go see Powell
1: you know what, she, every time she comes, she has, she will message me. I haven't talked to her in a while. She's going back to school.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but she always said, you know, me, you and Britt need to come out. You and Britt need to come out. And I, I think that's, I found out Vegas is the cheapest place to go. You can't go anywhere else cheaper than Vegas. Um, and I I find that out from people. Like, you go to a hotel room and pay Motel 6 prices because they want that money for gambling. They exactly. want that money for... Whatever, so they don't give a shit it's about the bait hotel. and hook. It is, you They're not bait and hooking me, you know, that
0: right. So, it's like, I'll take your $30 hotel a night and you can tell me about all your gambling and show me this stuff, but I'm good I'm on gonna, it. But you know, I'm gonna walk I'll, around
1: and take pictures, and be stupid, you know,
0: exactly. So, so well, so I, I want to say we would be hard pressed to do this episode without ma- mentioning one of our fallen friends, and that was Chris. And uh, we talked earlier about kind of doing the whole uh, Butcher Babies shows and scripts and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, there was a time where we were all four running together. You know, I posted the picture right after uh, he passed away last year of all four of us together hanging out at the uh, at the Peacock Diner when all four of us squeezed into my little car after uh, the uh, what was I think it's a case you strange fit for an autopsy show at the food yep. bar.
1: Yep, it but well, while
0: driving around, try to know, find no. a it
1: was, was it there or was it the butcher babies one?
0: No, the picture with all four of us was, uh, after the, uh, Casey strange show.
1: Okay. That was at the Peacock on Cause we took another one at pops. Yes, that was
0: at the, at that was the butcher, butcher baby show. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, that was one of the things that, you know, when we all started hanging out together, you know. He was in it as well. And then kind of like I said, you know, during the episode when I talked about it right after he passed that, you know, at that time, you know, time we were all real close, you know, then it, you know, life took us all in a few, you know, a couple different directions than where, you know, we necessarily always wanted to go. But it was the direction that we needed to go to necessarily, I guess what's the right way to say it, to grow and do what we were meant to do at that time. I agree with that. So, you know, and that was the thing, like, you know, we did stay in contact and stuff like that throughout the years. And then, you know, I was able to talk to him a few days before he passed and stuff like that. So, you know, just wanted to, you know, bring that up, you know, pay homage, rest in peace, Chris, you know, yeah. you know, he was a good friend, you know, we want to, you know, we want to put that out there and, you uh, know, you know, you'll it- be missed and,
1: absolutely it was it was very hard very very hard you know and and uh um i don't know it, it, we used to talk to the guy all the time mm-hmm. and um when i found out i was just kind of like it was devastated but it was just, it really hurt bad it was just like wow man that guy was close you know and and unfortunate shit happens in life obviously mm-hmm. as we it know. tells us
0: that tomorrow's promise to no one no
1: nope, absolutely not you know but we got to keep on going you know exactly And And um, on that
0: note, I want you to, so everybody listen to this, you know, it's always great to talk to Tim and appreciate having him on and I look forward to doing his podcast when he uh, gets it up and going there, talk some wrestling with him, giving some insights and hear me rant and rave about the good old wrestling world. But uh, like I said, you're, you're hearing this for the first time. You're finding out about Tim and his projects, Death by Metal. Tell tell everybody that's listening where they can find out more about Death by Metal.
1: Everyone needs to go to www.deathbymetalmmb.com and then go to Death by Metal STL on Facebook, Death by Metal MMB on Facebook as well, um, Death by Metal MMB on Instagram, um, Death by Metal, I think it is MMB on, on Twitter, um, and then death by metal youtube and then we will have the podcast and we have also have a snapchat which i think is death by metal also mmb and then um we've got all that stuff you know and we've got uh, got a lot of videos um
0: if people want to connect to you personally where can they find you at
1: Connecting me personally, we can either, well, you can always go to my personal, personal Facebook um, and, and contact me through there, Timothy and Michael McFarlane, or you can go to any of the uh, Death by Metal uh, Facebooks and you can message that, and I'm pretty much the one that sees it. Um, and then uh, you can contact me through there. And then we do, we progress to booking, we do promotions, we do all sorts of stuff, and uh, for the metal community. And uh we've got a lot of good stuff and fun stuff coming up in the future, and a lot of cool things, you know.
0: Awesome. Well, definitely make sure y'all check out all them socials to get a uh, stay on top of everything that's late breaking and updating in the St. Louis metal community. Not just there, but uh, like I said, they're covering all throughout planet Earth. You know, they're hitting all the countries that they can. They've got. They've got feet and troops everywhere to uh, bring you all the best metal uh, news, movies, things of that nature. So like I said, Tim, I appreciate having you on here. Uh, You've been a great friend for many of years, and uh, I'm proud of your success. I'm looking forward to what all that you have coming into the future. Make sure, like I said, everybody check out them socials he mentioned. Uh, Make sure you like, subscribe, follow the Big Lees World podcast. If you got any questions, email suggestions, make sure you send an email to bigleesworld at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash bigleesworld. As always, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at biglees756. And any last words, Tim, you'd like to say?
1: Thank you for having me on, Lee. You've been a dear friend over the years, and you will be a dear friend till the end. And I appreciate everything you do.
0: Uh, Much love to you, brother, as always. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you soon.
1: Take care, buddy. Thank you.
0: I think you too.